You are listening to the Liquid Flannel Podcast, bringing you perspective from the plains. I am one of your hosts, Chuck Williams. Joining me in Omaha, Nebraska is Brendan Williams. Brendan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited for this episode. Excellent. And joining us as usual in Arlington, Texas is the great Matthew Hodges. Matt, how's it going, man? I'm good, Chuck. Nice to hear you. Good deal. Well, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about here, so uh, what's on the plate? Well, I got Russia on the mind, and uh, we're going to dig into that and see what we can dig up. Try to figure out if any of this is actually worthwhile or helping us out, right? Absolutely. And Matt, what do you got over there? Yeah, so I've been really following this uh, this war uh, uh, among the left, the Democrats versus the liberals versus the left versus the so-called alt-left, and I'd like to get a little perspective on that. Cool. And for a very special episode, joining us tonight, YouTube sensation Peter Coffin. Peter, how you doing? I'm good. Excellent. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, I'm a YouTuber. I make uh, several series, including a daily one on current events, a weekly one on advertising critique, and a monthly documentary. Uh, I also have a radio show, and <laughs> I uh, don't sleep at all. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Well, and and also, uh, you know, full disclosure, I, I don't want any of my conflicts of interest to come up in a House of Representatives hearing here. I invited him on the show, thought he would be a, a lot of fun to have here, and as you're going to hear... Not so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's more of a wet blanket motif <laughs> that I bring. And as always, we've got a high note to take it out on. So without further ado, let's jump right in. So you've heard me saying since 2008, journalism is dead, but... What we're seeing play out now is far worse. The alt-radical left propaganda media has created what I call an informational crisis in this country, and they can no longer be trusted. Let me explain. Yeah, so one thing I really wanted to talk about, Peter, especially while we have you on the show, because this is something you've talked about a lot, is this sort of uh, infighting that we're seeing amongst the like the liberals, the Democrats, the, the left, and the, the so-called alt-left. And there have been one million words spilled in all of these think pieces over the past couple of months, and then many, many more than that. Uh, on Twitter about this, including yours, and I just wanted to I wanted to quote a little bit from this from this uh, tweet storm that you went on um, just a couple of days ago. Uh, Could have been any day at all. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I follow you on Twitter, and this is a theme with you, but I thought that you really hit it hit it hard in this one thread. So I'm just going to read read a few of these here. Um, right. You said we can't treat politics like a damn lifestyle marketing campaign. It's so tired and it turns off everyone who doesn't follow you. If you make enemies to beat up on, if you construct boogeymen, if you push surface level ideas that allow the issue to remain so you can be perpetually correct about them, you're pushing a lifestyle, you're not pushing policy, you're not making this about fixing things, it's about being perceived well. That that tweet storm, uh, we'll make sure to, to repost that on the Liquid Flannel Twitter. 
Um, but I, I think you're really getting at something there that we've seen just over the past few months. We've got, you know, people in the the democratic, you know, the the hardcore liberals, the the neoliberals. We've got neoliberals attacking Susan Sarandon for saying that she wouldn't vote for Hillary Clinton because she thought that she may actually be worse for a leftist movement than Donald Trump is. Uh, we, you know, we've got. Meantime, people are attacking like Chapo Trap House for being, you know, they're too bougie now that they're making money off of their podcast. And yeah. <laughs> so I, I was I was hoping you could you could talk to this, you know, a little bit. And I mean, what's your perspective on what what do we need to be doing instead of this this sort of infighting? Well, first and most importantly, I want to acknowledge how much smarter I sound in text. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize that. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not going to be able to match this level of intelligence in my discourse here. <laughs> You've been hacked, don't worry. Yeah, I'm pulling on, pulling on my collar and steam's coming out. <laughs> um. <laughs> You're the guest, man. Um, I'm supposed to put you on the spot. Come on, rise yeah, to the challenge. The hot seat. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is actually a debate well, show. We didn't tell you that before you came on. Right. Yeah, we've got we've got loads of information to discredit you, including uh, like yeah. mean stuff that people have written about you. We just want to repeat it. We have your entire Twitter history here, <laughs> so. including everything you've deleted. Yeah, on archive. Uh, well, That's right. so I guess what the main thing is when I'm talking about something like that, as I, I'm really frustrated every day. I get on a Twitter, and I spend a lot of time on Twitter. Uh, I do other things while I am on Twitter. Right. It is not as though I'm staring specifically at Twitter, uh, but I have it open while I'm, I'm doing the work that I, I live off of. Uh, and <laughs> I always, all day long, see leftists and I see liberals, and all they do is talk about how leftists are the worst thing or how liberals are the worst thing. And... Well, I don't agree with liberal ideology. It has the free market at the, at the middle of it, whether they want to acknowledge it or not. And right. I don't, I'm not a big fan of well, that. Well, they do. But the thing is, they do explicitly acknowledge it sometimes. You know, the yeah. town hall meeting with Nancy Pelosi where she right. said, you know, basically, <laughs> read my lips. The Democrats are a capitalist party. And everybody's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And anyone said like Bernie, everybody... Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders. Oh, yeah, or, or the one or the one more recently <laughs> where somebody asked her about uh, Medicare for All, and she said, no, let me be clear, like, with the ACA, we've gone further left than Medicare for All, right. and all of liberal, <laughs> uh, all of right. leftist Twitter collectively shat their pants. Yeah. Just ask yeah. the yeah, Heritage just, Foundation. Wanna... <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Heritage Foundation, the the bastion of liberal uh, knowledge, the Heritage <laughs> Foundation. <laughs> uh, like, I when I look at it though, I this is all I see. I see this war in between people, and it's not accomplishing anything at all. Uh, I like I said, I don't agree with a lot of liberal ideas, uh, but I do I do see that a lot of them, their heart is in the right place at basically all times of the day. Um, their mind isn't necessarily in the right place, but they're always, <laughs> they're always like pushing. Okay, a lot of them are compassionate, and and maybe maybe the economic system that we have isn't entirely compatible with compassion, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah. a lot of them are very compassionate, and uh, I seem to have very little problem acknowledging that. Whereas uh, when I see basically any leftist feed, 
It's, oh, look at what the dumb liberals are doing now. It's like, you do realize that these people are, I mean, maybe opponents, but they're not enemies. Yeah. Whereas, mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas we have a big government full of enemies. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, right. Like, pure, awful, evil, and also stupid, somehow stupid, and running everything in the most evil way they can. And we're not even really putting up a front against them. We're putting up a front against each other. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think like, that's what that's what you do when you have no power, though. You know what I mean? Like, the 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 insurgent left, kind of, or, like, the, the people within the Democratic Party that want to push the Democratic Party to the left, I think they recognize that, you know, all they can do is, is obstruct. And they can't really get a positive agenda through. So... In the meantime, the only thing you can do that you see as positive is to try to fight, you know, a fight that you can win, which is maybe attacking your own party um, that's already in a weakened state. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel like their intentions are good, but it, yeah, it, it would, yeah, I think, I, be I, better if they could work together more. Well, I mean, in in terms of healing the breach, though, it seems like... Uh, if if we're gonna make this just two two different teams, right? Uh, basically, the liberals versus the leftists. It seems like on both sides there needs to be an acknowledgement of the other side's good points, right? You've got the yeah, but the, there isn't. <laughs> well, there's not. There's not, but there should be. And maybe maybe yeah, this is a definitely. maybe this is a way forward is to try to try to get people talking about what the other side has right. So for the uh, the Bernie would have won people. The liberal criticism is you didn't focus enough on marginalized populations, and this was a this is a running theme throughout uh, the entire primary campaign. And you know, I, I guess when you look at the when you look at the voter turnout amongst um, people of color, uh, especially in these swing states, maybe that held water and maybe it didn't. It's kind of hard to tell. Definitely a lower turnout than there was for Obama. But then Obama was the first black president, so that's that's motivating to people of color to, to come out and vote. Um, but all throughout the primary, there was this sense that Bernie Sanders wanted to turn every discussion about social justice into an argument about economic justice. And this is this is a thing also that I see with some of the like the louder uh, what what have been deemed the alt left voices that want to make everything about. Uh, socialist economic policy and not about um, sort of intersectional um, like racial feminist uh, you know human rights equality sort of stuff you know but on the on the flip side um, you've got you know uh, like I said Susan Sarandon caught tons of flack from liberals for saying like look Hillary Clinton promotes basically the status quo She's a war hawk. She's an interventionist. Um, and maybe dealing with the Donald Trump is going to wake people up more to revolution, which I think is probably true. true. I think that if, yeah. if Hillary Clinton had not been – sorry, if Hillary Clinton had been elected, you would see more of this uh, sort of um, – I don't Passive know. Like, acceptance. Yeah, that apathy, like political apathy uh, yeah. that we yeah. saw under Obama, which – Yep. Which we've discussed on the show before that, you know, under Obama, it didn't feel like there was a big fight that needed to be had. Whereas now we have, like Peter was saying, like, we actually have enemies. We, there are people who are 
they're trying to roll back social progress. They're trying to roll back economic progress. And maybe this is motivating for everybody who's left of the, you know, the neoconservative um, Paul Ryan agenda and the whatever, like, chaotic evil of the Trump administration. <laughs> right. Well, well, I look at it, I would definitely wasn't like an accelerationist or anything like that. I, I thought I, I saw a path to kind of undermining the whole Hillary Clinton agenda, uh, it, just coming from it a, a leftist perspective, because I feel like a lot of the stuff that they have put out there on a constant basis is it's really it doesn't ring true to people. And I have a feeling that if we had elected her, it still wouldn't ring true to a lot of people. Mm. I think you could still have a path. It might take a little bit longer. And and my I advocated for Hillary Clinton, even though I I'm so far away from her politically, it's not even funny. Sure. But I didn't see uh the value in Trump from the same perspective that Susan Sarandon did. Now that being said, it has worked out that way. Right. Well now that we're here, you know, now that yeah. you know the, the field has changed. We ought to change our tactics as well. Well, like I said, I've said this before, uh, before I was not an accelerationist, but now that we're in Trump's America, I'm like, Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's get this show on the road. Is that Mike Pence? Yeah. Is that a Mike Pence endorsement? Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a vampire. No, it's using, no, just... <laughs> it's using their garbage music against them. Right. <laughs> and what was your role in all this? I was a victim, too. At least my wife was. She had friends who were socialists. Oh, my God. <sighs> well, we all make mistakes. But, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, with a, with a Hillary Clinton presidency, it would have been interesting to see what the – the left, the people who would have tried to push her to the left, you know, what would they have done, you know, under a Hillary administration? Um, but it is frustrating to me, as you know, as a leftist, that there's not really an option, right? It seems like the spectrum of the American political system is, you know, center right or far right. And that's it. I mean, and so yeah. until kind of Bernie Sanders, you know, kind of opened the door to show, hey, there's a whole nother, you know, a group of people out here who are looking for something else, you know, and it is disappointing to see the Democratic Party being resistant, you know, to embracing that, even though it, right. it seemed to have a lot of, you know, momentum during the during the primary. Well, that's because the Bernie Sanders circle of the Venn diagram, if you looked at all the other candidates, it literally looked like the middle circle of the Olympic rings because you were able to pull stuff from the liberal side. And you were, I mean, because obviously Bernie's platform was not about, you know, racism, sexism, homophobia, any of those things. But then it was also able to pull some of the economic side that, I don't know, some of the people on the fringe of the conservative party or the alt-right would have been in agreement with for different reasons. For example, like the NAFTA stuff, whatever the Asian Pacific deal was. I forget the name mm -hmm. of that. The TPP. But, you know, Trans TPP. Yeah, Pacific Partnership. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, so I felt like just in that area, you've got more Venn diagram overlaps, so you might have a better chance of reaching 
more people. So especially in the areas where Hillary lost. And that is so sexist. <laughs> right. That's right. Dude, man, me and Susan should just be called the fake news feminist, you know. So. <laughs> Susan, if you hear this, give me a call sometime. Chuck himself but, is yeah. is a is a white feminist, everybody. Yeah. Um, hey, you, you know, you're here first. Yeah, wasn't that a, a Wayans movie too or something? <laughs> or was that just white chicks? <laughs> so <laughs> you got to read the subtext of that movie, really, to get the deep meaning. You know, the, for, the fortunateness of this podcast is that I, it's not visual. I don't have to dress like that, so right. it's all good. We're gonna get we're gonna get Jordan Peele to make a movie called White Feminist, uh, starring starring a, a queer black guy. Um, yeah, as as the main character, it's kind of like how Tom Cruise can be the last samurai, you know. <laughs> so. Well, but Chuck, I I think you I think you raise a a really important point. Um, I can't believe that I'm gonna cite the New Republic during this discussion, but I thought they had a pretty good take on this. Um, the mm-hmm. headline of the article, this is a, an article by uh, Cleo Chang, came out uh, about a month ago, entitled, Liberalism Needs the Alt-Left. And mm-hmm. first, it, it does do a good job of um, taking down like the term alt-left, where the alt-right was something that the alt-right themselves made up whereas yeah, the yeah. self-described is, yeah whereas the the, the alt-left is something that basically like sean hannity and infowars came up with to describe people who are who are farther left and liberals just they ate that up they were like oh, oh yeah that was the best thing you've done alex jones right yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you know and and it comes from it comes from this uh so the the new republic article talks about this op-ed that Tony Blair, of all fucking people, wrote for the New York Times about how uh, the the hard left in America is shooting itself in the foot by, you know, trying to push the policy window leftward, talking about raising the minimum wage, uh, uh, universal, um, universal health care, maybe kind of dancing around the edges of a universal basic income. Uh, like what's been tried in uh, Norway and Switzerland, when what's truly ridiculous about this is most of the demands of what's deemed the alt-left match up completely with what Tony Blair's party did in the UK. Yeah. You know? like he's, <laughs> He wasn't he's happy about it, though. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and, I mean, like, apparently, I did not like, enjoy myself. I didn't and giving inhale. it, you know, that that milquetoast sort of support, sort of opposition is right. why Tony Blair ended up being, you know, a failed prime minister in the UK, um, losing tons of seats in Parliament because they couldn't actually come up with some kind of a cohesive, resonating narrative. Yeah, I would say, uh, my wife is from the UK, and um, her dad absolutely hated tony blair mm. and he is he's like a scottish nationalist <laughs> so he was he was I mean, he was you, one you of the, the like serious stuff he was one of the 35 people in scotland who voted pro-brexit <laughs> i don't know i think i think he probably wasn't actually because mm. i like the only thing they really care about is getting scotland away from england they don't care about anything else. all right yeah, I but, mean, if you, if yeah, I mean, if that was your goal, the pro Brexit would have been the best choice because now it seems like they're actually going to be able to make it happen. Absolutely, <laughs> and Spain's on board with helping them too. So, yeah, I'm not sure that he's really that up on strategy, though. <laughs> <to be laughs> right? <honest. laughs> That's, you're playing the long game. I'm not game saying on this to one. insult him 
Well, which, by the way, little. <laughs> to, to have a little sidebar here, neither is the alt-right in America, right? Because you, you've got the, the alt-right who went all in for Donald Trump. Um, the Donald is and, and was, during the campaign season, the most active subreddit on Reddit. And now Jeff Sessions is pushing, uh, you know, a, a Justice Department crackdown on weed legal states. And yeah, they, the, they're not fans and, of that. And the House of Representatives <laughs> just passed this bill allowing ISPs to sell your browser history. When you know all these alt right guys are, they're they're going to keep up the facade while they're on Reddit. But you know that they're sweating about like, oh my god, they know that I'm into brony porn now. Like that's going to exactly. get sold to marketers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I find it hard to believe that <laughs> not going to talk left, about brony porn, eh? That right. the alt left <laughs> is a real thing. Um, it, it just seems it just seems like the alt left is a right wing fear mongering thing. Like I, I just I don't see that as like an actual. But it's working. Political well, it feels, force. It but feels kind of red scary, you know, and that it, makes sense yeah. when you consider that the biggest block of. Trump supporters were people who lived through the actual Red Scare. Right. But yeah. the weird thing is that the first time I had ever even heard the term alt left right after the election was from a liberal person. Yeah, so, I, here. so if it is mm -hmm. something where this is a scare tactic that the right's using, why the hell are the liberals even like being affected by it? I'd be like, okay, I'm not listening. I mean, you're trying to well, convince yeah. me the same thing you know war in iraq type thing so well we well the entire smear campaign against hillary clinton was a right wing thing for right. the last 25 30 years <laughs> sure mm -hmm. and we're not supposed to listen to that but <laughs> right the instant right. they come up with a great name for the leftists yep oh yeah. man alex yeah. jones well good yeah stuff. well and also i mean also the moment that the left has a candidate who could actually you know rally supporters the younger supporters who would show mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. but you're going to have to be farther left than what the neoliberal Democrats want to do, then they're happy to adopt that label for anybody who's left of the Democratic yeah. Party. Well, look what they did to Keith Ellison. Yeah. Ooh, they spread yeah. all that anti-Semitic stuff. Like, yep. And that's that's not acceptable by any Democrats' standards. And yet, there they were, pushing it. Like, they were like... That nobody well, would denounce it. Right. Nobody would, would stand up for him. They just let let that happen. He almost won. But mm -hmm. we're, we're like, acting like the Democrats didn't casually co-sign on the Obama might be from Kenya type thing, too. I mean, that that was there was echoes few, of it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, it happens on, on that side, too. And that that was actually something funny from another article you brought up about the alt-left, Matt, was, um, I think, from the Daily Coast. And the guy was saying the alt-left, one of the hallmarks of the alt-left is saying, well, those, you know, the Democrats are just as bad as the Republicans. And right. You try know. to do this moral equivalence between, yeah. um, and, you know, and this this article, this is one. Um, it came out March 21st by Armando. I guess they Armando published under pseudonyms at the Daily Coast. I don't know. It's like um, Menudo. It's like all 15 year old <laughs> boys. <laughs> or or uh, like Charo or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, they're they're calling out Matt Taibbi, um, who I tend to like. I, I like his analysis, yeah. but I did think that there were some good criticisms in this, um, particularly the one talking about uh, comparing RT Russia Today, which is a state-owned mouthpiece of the Kremlin, 
to like Radio Free Europe. Um, yeah. You know the the comparison is the comparison's pretty bad. I mean, maybe both of them are engaging in propaganda. Okay, like I, I'll I'll grant you that. It's you also have to look at the quality of the propaganda in order to uh, equivocate. You know, between those two things, sure. and I, I don't, I don't, I think that's where his his math breaks down for sure. Man, sure. I'm constantly engaging in propaganda. Like, mm-hmm. That's the main <laughs> thing I do. <laughs> but you know, like on NPR just the other day, they were talking about um, the Russian scandal and how there are some parallels that can be drawn between the U.S.'s involvement when Boris, Boris Yeltsin was elected to power in Russia. That's not necessarily an equivalency that would make people scream out that NPR is alt-left or anything. I mean, that's just (laughs) ridiculous. Right, right. But I think that it's important right now to also... To say, look, we we can't just overlook some of these things. We have to call out bullshit where we see it, regardless of what side it's on, regardless of who's saying it. So, just going back and saying, well, you can't say they're all both bad, so... Yeah, and like the other thing is, is if if we can't do it on to some degree when there's something in bad faith done by the liberals, like it's nonstop punching left from them, and right. that's the like when I'm talking about uh, trying to get people to stop engaging in that stuff, I often criticize leftists while sneaking in the liberal stuff, so they'll sit there and they'll read it and they'll be like, uh, maybe I'm kind of doing that. Maybe I'm doing that a little bit. So subversive, Peter. <laughs> well, I'm just like I think that the leftists do need to stop it. Yeah. Like I do think that it's it's ridiculous. That doesn't mean stop every single time right. somebody does something that's in bad faith. Uh, mm. You just let it go. Like I don't think that. But uh, I think the side that does it worse is probably not the leftists. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, that's that's one of the things that does make me feel a little bit better about the Democratic Party is that they are more willing to call each other out. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, on the Republican side, they'll go out and say, like, well, Donald Trump's terrible until he gets elected. And then like, hey, it's not so bad. You guys, it's it's, it's fine. mm -hmm. I'm a fall in line. Unified Republican government. (laughs) Oh, sure. There was there was strong leftist criticism there was even strong liberal criticism at least uh in certain interest areas i'm thinking environmentalism of obama while he was president there was the idea of i would rather have this guy as president because he's somebody i can work with and i can pressure to Mm -hmm. you know put an end to this uh like fracking expansion um to go back to one of the specific criticism Susan Sarandon leveled. I, I didn't mean, mean to make this a Susan Sarandon apologia, but I think she had a really good uh, point on that, that, you know, he was the climate change opponent candidate and the climate change opponent president, and yet we massively expanded our uh, natural gas exploration. We talked about that when we had Pat Ross on the show. I was going to say those two things right there, I think, need to be reconciled between leftists and liberals it's like do we care uh, do we call it progress that it's a black man that's you know in charge of all the fracking or whatever or in charge (laughs) of the expansion of private prisons or you know prosecutions under the espionage act of expansions of of drone strikes in syria and iraq 
right a large expansion of that (laughs) people say you know private prisons are you know opening up all over and then liberals are just like just make sure it's women guards you know Mm. and (laughs) And maybe it's not like that but it's like but you have to be able to discern what really is important here and what should be important on the peripheral once you get to the heart of the matter right so now i feel like we often like what we're often getting it's not necessarily like a full-blown, we need women guards or anything like that. I, I, I do think that that's a very valid like way of putting it, because it, it certainly it makes it look like... I mean, that that's a very effective use of hyperbole that does exactly what they're doing, except mm-hmm. for, obviously, on a big scale. Just a few years ago, this hate-filled, left-wing fascist group hijacked the very term alt-right. That term alt-right, it has, been u- it has been used for a long time in a very good and normal way. But this group has hijacked it, hijacked the term. And they did it intentionally because they want to deceive the media and they want to deceive you all about what they stand for so they can try to become normalized. And we must not allow them to be normalized. They are not part of us. They stole the term specifically to confuse us. We know who these people are. They met just a couple months ago in Washington, D.C. to spew their hatred and make their Heil Hitler salutes. They are anti-Semites. They are racists. They are sexists. They hate the Constitution. They hate free markets. They hate pluralism. They hate everything and they despise everything we believe in. They are nothing but garden variety left wing fascists. All right, so uh, so to bring this back around, Peter, I mean, do you think that there's do you think there's some legs in us getting out this this narrative that really what needs to happen right now is um, like the left and the liberals and the Democrats, um, not necessarily equating any of those three, need to. Uh, come together on some kind of narrative like this. I mean, there's a lot of fun to be had doing it, and it feels like it could get voters out for the 2018 midterms and for the 2020 presidential election. I do. I, I feel like we're sort of sitting at a crossroads. And although I'll say even I have engaged in the liberal bashing a lot, and I need to get better at it as well. I'm well, not I mean, that's what Twitter is for, that. right? At, yeah, at this point, I'm Twitter... not going to pretend I don't do that. Yeah. But... I do think that there's an opportunity for that. I, I, if you saw that poll, uh, there's only 8% of Democrats, for instance, that don't like Bernie Sanders. They disapprove of Bernie Sanders in some way. It's mm-hmm. 8%. That's nothing like what you would think if you hang out on Twitter all day. Right, right. I don't think that – this is why I talk about – I think liberals are, are, are often in a good place, at least in their heart, because I have a feeling – most of these people aren't thinking about, oh, there's a free market at the middle of my ideology, and I have to, at some point, act in accordance with that. <laughs> right. Uh, I think most people think liberal just means leftist. So when they get like more leftist stuff thrown at them, they're like, yes, that's exactly what I want. I am a really big liberal. Right. <laughs> so I think that there's more than enough opportunity for a bridge there, but we have to look at it as... Uh, how do we reach the normal people as opposed to how do we reach the people on Twitter? Because <laughs> you were so close <laughs> to using the word normies just then. I, I heard I it. was I was pretty close. Yeah, <laughs> I was getting 
I, I use the word normies a little bit too much, I think, <laughs> in my private life. So, oh, the normies. How do we reach the normies? Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure the way that we reach the us. normies is not to continue to call them racist and sexist and transphobic and homophobic. Um, though they yeah. may, though they may mirror those. Uh, those opinions when they go to the ballot box um, you know I think there are plenty of people out there who you know they don't actually care about that stuff they're waiting for a compelling narrative that would yeah. sway them against the candidate who's speaking to their interests and it comes with all of this extra information yeah I think a lot of people when they're looking at, at that stuff they don't understand it it's not even that they care about it or don't care about it it's that they don't get it in any way and the only people that try to explain it to them use only academic terminology. And if you don't get it right away, you're evil. Right. Or stupid. Yeah, or stupid. You and I both had the experience of clerking at the Supreme Court after Justice White had ended his time on the basketball court. Yeah. And then... Well. Or, 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 or maybe, maybe you were, were luckier than I. For, the, for those who, who do not know, above the Supreme Court, above the roof of the courtroom, is a basketball court, which is referred to tongue-in-cheek as the highest court in the land. And uh, Justice White, for many years, would play in the basketball game. NFL Hall of Fame football player with a bunch of pencil-neck law clerks. Yep. And his elbows and fouls were legendary. When I was clerking, he was no longer playing. Perhaps, well, were you lucky enough to get him up on the basketball court? He would come up for a game of horse uh, with the clerks, former law clerks of the union. How's his jump want to talk supreme court that's a thing yeah gorsuch they're talking about the nuclear option i wish it wasn't called that yeah so <laughs> should really... I, I totally agree with you on that who called it that harry reed wouldn't he call it probably the nuclear option though <laughs> i figured he would call it the like hurricane or something from his boxing days or some the stiff jab to the left no that's what all the democrats are doing right now <laughs> whatever happens i mean neil gorsuch is going to get placed on the court what's really disgusting me sure. is all of this intentional forgetting going on about the the merrick garland thing you know oh, yeah, yeah. Lindsey yeah. Graham, who was the darling of the left there at the beginning of Trump's presidency, because he was one of Gross. two. Yeah, exactly. He was one of two congressmen who was coming out saying, like, this isn't really where we want to be. Like, this guy needs to, you know, rein it in. We need to know more about Russia. Now saying it's disgusting that that Democrats get all of the judges they want, but Republicans never get any of their judges. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm tired of the Democrats just railroading all the judges yeah. through, just changing the rules of the Senate to just cram those judges in. That's, That's right. the worst thing you could possibly yeah, in do. In the same breath yep. that he's talking about <laughs> right. removing So next the week, rules. here's what we're yeah. going to do. Yeah, change the rules. <laughs> Look, I just really want to be breathing water from now on. I don't. I don't like this air crap. You know, I wanted to be, I actually want to breathe fracking fluid. So, oh, you know. <laughs> I do think that sounds appealing. <laughs> yeah. It's safer. Have I got a Supreme Court justice for you? Excellent. Great news. Right. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the Democrats are going to hold enough votes together where they can block the the 60 vote threshold, leaving Republicans, you know, no choice other than to change the rules of the Senate to have just a 50-50 up or down vote on if he get if Gorsuch gets confirmed. Or the option that no Republican will dare mention is like nominate Merrick Garland or somebody yeah. else who would get, you know, bipartisan approval. That's like just not. I mean, you heard Paul Ryan, right, say, hey, well, the thing that I'm most afraid of is like, what if Trump starts to work with Democrats? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> what if our government too? What if both parties worked together? Like, that's my greatest right. fear. Yeah, the thing that Trump said in his acceptance speech that we needed to do is come together. He's like, no, 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 we don't need to do that. That's my greatest know, fear. The recharacterization of Merrick Garland as some sort of extremist leftist judge is also just this fantasy world. I mean, he is he is a down-the-middle oh, yeah. centrist, you know? With corporate leanings. Yeah. You know. that's Well, I mean, he's a democratically nominated judge, so of course he has corporate leanings. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, the the Republicans are now trying to shift the window to make it sound like Gorsuch is that when he's really not. I mean, he didn't say hardly anything during his confirmation hearing. It was the uh, you know, it was basically the the end result of this this habit of Supreme Court nominees kind of dissembling and not uh, you know, not really admitting to any leaning uh during during their hearing, but he took it to a whole new level where we have no idea where he stands on stuff. All we can do is look at his his rulings in the past, and what that reveals is he has a yen for a lot more states' rights. He's much more corporation-friendly, especially on uh, religious issues. Mm -hmm. The fact that he was able to kind of evade questioning, even with uh, some people grilling him a little bit harder, I thought Al Franken did a nice job in those hearings. Yeah, I was just going to bring up Al Franken. Yeah, talk about Al Franken. How'd he do? Uh, well, I liked that he brought up that case. That, the trucker case. Yeah, that is just, in his words, absurd. The whole thing was absurd. Having a trucker, basically, uh, his brakes freeze, so he stops his truck at the side of the road, uh, isn't going to drive because uh, that's not safe to do. The company gives him the choice of either staying in the truck with the, the truck uh, freezing and waiting for somebody to pick him up or walking <laughs> to like a, a, a nearby hotel. And that's possibly the least safe. There's something like minus 12 degrees weather, if I remember right. That's how people die. And, and they fired him for un unhitching the trailer. Well, there was, there was more that happened in the middle of that because he ended up taking a call from a friend or he like passed out. Some friend called him. Oh yeah, he some passed friend out called him for and three woke him hours. Up and they said, "You sound like you're yeah. you sound like you're drunk. You're slurring your speech." And that was where he realized he actually had hypothermia. Right. Like his choice at that point was to yeah. leave or literally freeze to death. And he left yeah. for fifteen minutes. Well, and after three, he hours. didn't even go for right. he, like he drove the truck around. He, he warmed himself up in the truck for like fifteen minutes and came back to the thing and waited more. <laughs> right. And they fired him for that. Neil Gorsuch's ruling, which, by the way, saying Gorsuch in a possessive sense mm -hmm. is awful. Um, <laughs> Gorsuch's. It really does sound like a, the name of a lich king from, like, D&D. &D. I, yes! I'm sure Brendan made that joke on Twitter, actually. <laughs> like, you have to do it in, like, Gorsuch-type voice. That is good. It is a good Gorsuch's ruling. But he ruled that 
the company was fine for firing him because he left while on the job or something like that. I don't remember exactly. But what Al Franken brought up was the the plain meaning clause or something like that. Um, whereas the, mm-hmm. if the plain meaning is absurd, then you ignore the plain meaning. And you, you like if somebody's going to die because you do the plain meaning of a rule, uh, then it's okay to break the rule, essentially. Then following the rule is clearly absurd. So, yeah, it, yeah, yes. Yeah. When you hear him try to dodge out of, like, would you have done the same thing? Which right. is exactly what happened. The right next thing he would, like Al Franken brings up, would you have done the same thing? And he's like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't put myself in his shoes. It's like, you couldn't put yourself in the in the very simple-to-understand situation? Really, you get no thoughts on this whatsoever. Yeah, like, <laughs> and yet you turned in a ruling that... Like went the complete like you turned in a multiple page ruling that you had to write. It was a dissenting opinion, and like of course you you put yourself in those shoes. You didn't just don't care. That opinion is it's like music to the ears of conservatives because oh, yeah. they continue to just say like oh these activist judges like all that a judge should do is just read the law like as it was written. Right. Doesn't matter how old, how obscure, how out of date it is. Just you know. We should just replace judges with like algorithm robots who can just interpret the law for us and like not have any humanity, not have to have any empathy to think like, wow, this law is totally broken and maybe shouldn't exist. They should just say like, well, but that's not my job. Well, he's already saying that in these hearings, you know, he'll just go, that's political invalid syntax error you know it's like does not compute that's political i cannot answer well and it's such a it's such a ridiculous understanding of what the judiciary does anyway because the laws are also not written by computers Mm -hmm. laws are written by humans sometimes they're trying to do the right thing and they write their law wrong sometimes they're trying to do the wrong thing and we do have you know there is a, a basic operating code of the country that's the constitution but the constitution itself is outdated code that was written by humans <laughs> so you can't treat it as if it's well i mean what they try to do is treat it as any religion um looking at their out-of-date holy scripture and kind of picking and choosing yeah. the parts that support their political leanings while pretending to be the purists yeah that's a, <laughs> well, a, a pure <laughs> definition of that is the purest <laughs> definition of the problem with purists quote-unquote purists did you see uh ted cruz's pure march madness question well apparently gorsuch had clerked for some judge or something and wherever it is there's a basketball court above the courthouse or wherever (laughs) and they'd literally call it the highest court in the land and they're like so ted cruz is like so you got a chance to play pick up basketball with this justice one of the leading justices of our time what was it like you know, and you're just like, <laughs> I don't give a shit, you know, but 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 Gorsuch was able to get really into those answers, which I'm glad. I'm glad he had something that he could answer that wasn't political. So. Yeah. My Supreme Court pickup basketball fantasy league is is going really strong because I got Gorsuch in there. Dude, my brackets busted because <laughs> <laughs> you know? I honestly had Villanova go into the finals. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. And and Chuck, the the basketball court you're talking about is actually in the Supreme Court building. Yeah. Um the the justice he clerked for while he was there was uh, Byron White, um, who he just you know he he adores the man. But right. I didn't realize they played basketball together. That's yeah. Great. Good fact check there, man. 
<laughs> I'd like to see the notorious RBG out there. Dude, her crossover was breaking Clarence Thomas's ankles so hard he would fall asleep <laughs> on the hardwood. <laughs> Don't bring that. She's screaming and one and dropping that trampoline out there so right. she can dunk from the yeah, three dude. point. She's arc. doing the she's doing the <laughs> slam ball or whatever. <laughs> Clarence Thomas gets fouled, but he doesn't say anything to the to the ref about it because he never says anything. Right. <laughs> it's like when Charlie Murphy played Prince in one on one or whatever. Except for more stoic. Right. <laughs> like he actually managed to be more stoic than that. It's the shirts versus robes right. or something. This is how the Supreme Court actually decides their cases is that they, they say it's just like deliberations and, and talking it out, but really they just throw down. They on just the play court. horse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I make this three, nothing but net, abortion's legal. Like that's this, right. that's how it was, man. That's that's why you see all these clerks coming out of uh, like Duke in North Carolina. Oh you know, yeah, they're like dude. seven feet tall and they've never taken a law class in their life, but you know they're out there as support staff. Yeah, they they <laughs> hung out with Mike Shashevsky and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> Roy Williams. Ball is life. Give me a freaking break. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Alex. Yeah. These guys are pussies. They talk a tough game. They're, we're gonna we're gonna get Roger Stone in front of the committee. Gentlemen, ladies, I am ready. I am more than ready. Hey, let me say this right now. Let me tell, I'm not against gay people. Okay, I love them, they're great folks. But Schiff looks like the archetype, archetypal cocksucker with those little deer in the headlight eyes and all his stuff. And there's something about this fairy hopping around, bossing everybody around, trying to intimidate people like me and you. I want to tell Congressman Schiff and all the rest of them, hey, listen, asshole. Quit saying Roger and I, and I, I never used cussing in 22 years, but uh, the gloves are off. Listen, you son of a bitch. What the fuck's your problem? You want to sit here and say that I'm a goddamn fucking Russian? You get in my face with that, I'll beat your goddamn ass, you son of a bitch. You piece of shit. You fucking goddamn fucker. Listen, fuckhead. You fucking crossed the line. Get that through your goddamn fucking head. Stop pushing your shit. You're the people that have fucked this country over and gang raped the shit out of it and lost an election. So stop shooting your mouth off claiming I'm the enemy. You got that, you goddamn son of a bitch? Fill your hand. I'm sorry, but I'm done. You start calling me a foreign agent. Those are fucking fighting words. Excuse me. So I've been having the craziest time just trying to get my head around this whole Russia story. And I think the biggest problem with it is that it's such a trickle of information over such an extended period of time that's like every day a crazy story comes out and including today where a crazy story came out that Betsy DeVos's brother who is the founder of Blackwater which committed like a bunch of war crimes in Iraq yeah we thought we were done with Blackwater in the news hey. but nope they're still they're still banging around Blackwatering you know when you're talking about school choice you gotta talk about military choice you know so <laughs> regime change choice it's all good <laughs> once you get that much ink in the water it's hard to get it out <laughs> right absolutely <laughs> and uh, yeah I mean they even went as far as to change their name from Blackwater to Z which is just X-E 
because their brand was so uh, was so destroyed. And because no one knows how to pronounce XE, so <laughs> it's yeah. the... sounds like an actual water brand now. <laughs> right. That's their backup. With in electrolytes. Case, <laughs> in case the whole yeah. private military contractor thing doesn't work out, they're just gonna do move on to bottled water, get yeah. into that Nestle. I mean, it's just as oh, evil. They're taking a page out of the fifty cent playbook right there, man. It's cool. <laughs> Hip hop over the world. <laughs> so this Blackwater dude apparently met with Russian government officials to say, like, hey, I'm going to be your secret back channel to the Trump campaign. You know, let's get rid of all the sanctions. <laughs> and then it's just like it's like every day a crazy story comes out like this. The original crazy story was the Christopher Steele dossier, which had all these at the time what seemed like outrageous, you know, accusations. That's the one everyone knows as the as the PP dossier. <laughs> the PP <laughs> dossier, which that was only a tiny part of it. The other stuff was actually way more interesting. Right. About all the meetings yeah, well, you that were say taking pee-pee. place. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> it was almost like they snuck, like Trump snuck the PP in there to be like, "This is all," and no one will talk about anything else if just we just put this in there. Pee pee on them. You know? But yeah, it's like there's so much news coming out that you can't even get outraged about it because just n- more crazy news comes out the next day. And it just like it inures him to criticism because it's just impossible to keep up with. Every every couple of days I see somebody post something uh, on Twitter and it's like, you know, this, this is the one epic thread that ties everything in Russia together. All and down. these threads just... And they just keep getting longer and longer. You know, the the most recent one that's connecting all the dots in as, you know, as efficiently as possible in 140 characters at a time was still 40 tweets long or something like that. <laughs> and it's all about meetings that certain people had with other people who were tied to these other interests that also, you know, and you have to read to the end to see how that comes back around to somebody that was mentioned in another like side thread about that person. It would seriously be like if choose your own adventure books, instead of letting you kind of choose the way, <laughs> like forced you to go back through and go every other way just to get to the <laughs> ultimate meaning of it. And you're just like, right. man, I'm done with this, man. I've gone three ways. This book sucks. I don't know. There's too many outlets. You right. know, I'm sick of it. Yeah, I mean, it's like a Dostoevsky novel or something where you're like, yeah, I bet that's really interesting to learn about, but it's just too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. too much to take on right it's now. It's too real. I'll say something controversial. It's like how many Harry Potter books there are. <laughs> <I just, laughs> there's too many Harry Potter books for me. <laughs> too many Harry Potter books, too many different characters involved in different things oh. and yeah, I mean uh, by the by the time book 7 came out you've got to go back and read the entire story again just to remember like why is this person important in this It was story? like a decade a, a full <laughs> decade of that stuff right. and it's like what is still going on I w- and and that's what we're at except for it's been like 3 months <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> No yeah it's totally crazy I'd rather actually just jettison the Trump topic right now and just say have you guys seen fantastic beasts because that just what? takes it to a whole nother level because they're like <laughs> did you think harry potter had like a million characters like what if they were all in like world war ii and <laughs> oh yeah 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 and it's just like what about that person's great great grandma like you want to learn about that and it's like oh my gosh this is just it's no nope. yeah it's insane right now <laughs> the answer is no i don't yeah <laughs> And Johnny Depp is there. Maybe we're underestimating the American public right now, right? Because I'm that's exactly what Rogue One did with uh, Star Wars. 
you know, they took this kind of interstitial story that was going on, introduced a load of new characters, and had all of these Easter eggs in there that referred to either the, the prequels or the original trilogy. And the people who were really in the know, the people who were following all this, like, got all of that, you know, and wanted to incorporate all these new characters into their worldview. So maybe that's just kind of where we are. You know, everyone's watching, you know, these long-running Netflix series right now with these intertwined plots. Anyone who watched Westworld knows that you had to watch every single episode and pay attention to every detail in order to really understand what happened at the end. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're being a little cynical about this. Maybe this is just sort of the... You know, the twenty first kind of century. narrative we're accustomed yeah. to now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like that Game of Thrones effect. You know, it's like it's it, the Radiohead it, effect. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it we is. We do actually have a creep up at the top of the country too. That's right. You know, the, the all the predictions gap. are coming true. If you true. take one track from each album and intermix them, <laughs> you know. It creates the a third rainbow. letter of every track. That's man. right. <laughs> Brendan, do you think with this overwhelming amount of information coming out, what's the best way for people who want to see something come out of this? What what's what's our strategy? What's what's the tactic that's gonna work the best? Well, I think one of the things that the Trump administration is benefiting from because of all this is that they kind of benefit from the swirl of confusion and all these competing narratives and competing stories and you know, who's leaking to who and the leaks and the leaks are the real scandal that, I mean, I really think the best possible outcome would be to just like give it to some special prosecutor and then nobody hears anything about Russia for like six months (laughs) until then they say like, here's everything, you know, that we found summed up. I don't know that that's possible to happen, but that would be my ideal scenario. I think that the reason they're not doing that is because they're afraid uh, of, for instance, like technically Comey could be fired by Trump. He's technically a Trump like employee. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, A lot of these people could just be taken off of it. And if you could eventually have just such a revolving door of things that nobody ever gets truly in the know of it. And I think that they're kind of bringing it to the public so that there's kind of a public record of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, if you drop everything, obviously there's got to be information that we don't know as well because you can't just drop everything. Otherwise, there's no case. <laughs> you saw it in the in the Comey hearing. Um, somebody put together, I think it was maybe Fox News or, or one, of the, one of the more right uh, media outlets put together just a little clip show of him saying, I can't comment on that, can't comment on that. <laughs> Same answer as before. I'm not going to comment on that. I'm not going to comment on that. I, I think you're totally right that some of the information that they're dealing with is either, you know, it's outside of the purview of what you can ask the intelligence community to comment on, or it's stuff that we actually don't want coming out publicly um, for national security reasons. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the leaks are a problem, too, because even if they wanted to keep a secret investigation, it seems like it would be impossible for them to stop it from leaking, (laughs) you know, and as the stuff trickles out anyway. So, you know, even if that was their intention, it doesn't even seem like that's really feasible to accomplish in the current Washington climate. So, you know, try as they might, I guess this is this is the best the best we're going to get. This is where we're going. I don't know. (laughs) This is who I am now. Yeah. I mean, I'm hopeful that. I mean, they've got people like John McCain out there. Um, It seems like several other Republicans 
have also, you know, started to say like, hey, you know, maybe we do need an independent investigation. Mm. Um, the problem is to Trump, there's no such thing as an independent investigation, right? It doesn't matter who they appoint. They could appoint Mike Pence to be in charge of it, and Trump would say, like, this the is so unfair. so-called right. independent investigation. <laughs> the establishment's the taking me down, you know? vice president. Well, but that's, that's a problem on both sides, isn't it? That basically what we have going on right now is this big circus where everyone can, you know, kind of cherry-pick. We were talking before we started recording about the Serial podcast, about how there were kind of two camps that had already made up their mind on the on the outcome, and... Basically, they're just going to cherry pick the stuff that supports their side and ignore everything else. And I think that's happening on both sides all throughout these Russia hearings. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. And I think that's what the media overload kind of allows you to do is it allows you to say, hey, look, there's so much out there that there's enough for anyone to find anything that they want in there. If you want to think Trump is totally innocent, it's an Obama frame job. You know, there's enough crazy stories out there that will allow you to piece that together for yourself. You know, if you want to think that, you know, Trump's, uh, you know, a secret KGB agent here to overthrow the U.S. <laughs> government, you could probably cherry pick enough information to find mm. that. And, you know, maybe the real truth is somewhere in between and we'll never really know. But whatever it is, there's an app for that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> whatever side you're on. Hopefully it's it's encrypted. <laughs> right. The thing that really blows my mind is, is the people who think that there's some way to nullify the election result. And that's like the yeah. one thing there's nothing in there for. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's just, that's just a fantasy. <laughs> Cannot happen. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And, and I see it every day. Like, it passes by my time. I'm like, do you really think we can nullify this election result at this point? We are more likely to see, you know, the Harry Potter Ministry of Magic come into this investigation <laughs> than we are to see that happen. You know, that might be a product of the Game Genie Society, yeah. maybe it is. You know, it's just like infinite lives. Let's get some do-overs on this election thing, you right. know? <laughs> Let's drop I mean, it. <laughs> it is kind of crazy that the way the system is set up, even if Trump is, like, revealed to have broken some sort of laws and resigns in disgrace... Then it's just like, oh, well, then it just goes to the next guy. Yeah, exactly. And then it's just the next guy down the line that they're all tied to him. It's like there's literally no mechanism, you know, in the Constitution or anything to be like, oops, maybe yeah, we exactly. do need a do-over. Mm -hmm. Like you would have to pass constitutional amendments in order to do anything like that at this point. Unless uh, yep. they proved him to suddenly have done some sort of treasonous thing, which is – you have to plan on overthrowing the government, which he didn't have to. He was elected. <laughs> and it would insinuate that he had to plan something, yeah. <laughs> which is obviously clear that that doesn't happen. No. So. Right. But, I mean, if this was like any other country's government, his, like, failure to pass the the health care bill would have triggered, like, a snap runoff election or whatever. If this was, yeah. like, Canada or the a UK or something. A vote of no something. confidence. Right. They would say, yeah. like, <laughs> clearly this president can't get anything done. Mm -hmm. Let's start over. And in America, there's just, you, no matter what the president does, no matter how illegal it is, even if he resigns in disgrace, it's like, well, his his next best guy will just will take over hey. for him and just continue on down the line. In America, we take those wedding vows seriously till death do you part. <laughs> you <know? laughs> it's that sinister for democracy. So, 
even if we get to the bottom of it, even if we got to some thing that everyone could agree, this is this is objectively what happened. So far, as far as I can tell, what's coming out is that Russia had a vested interest in swaying the election toward an anti-NATO, pro-protectionism candidate um, who was also going to disrupt American democracy. That doesn't seem like a thing that we would need an investigation for. And that they... Right. They facilitated that through there was a there was an article out just in the past few days talking about how Russian hackers were impersonating people from Wisconsin. They'd make a like a fake Facebook profile and then start pushing fake news and Wisconsinites who fake news don't you know <laughs> these people would would you know check out the profile of this person and go like, "Oh, you look like somebody who probably lives in the next town over or whatever." None of this is illegal. It just looks really it's it's foul play, but it's not like it's really grounds for impeachment. It's just grounds for not I don't know what, like not letting him get anything done. Yeah, making the the shame thing with your two fingers at Russia. That's basically what it's grounds. Hmm. How dare you? Which is you? basically what <laughs> the Democratic Party stands for at this point, which is the we're not the party of ideas, but we are the party of decorum. You know, yeah. we don't have to mm-hmm. we don't have to come up with anything good that's going to actually attract voters. We're just going to, you know, basically chide everybody. We're going to scold people until they recognize oh, this isn't really the America you want to live in, is it? Which is <laughs> Which dumb. That's is not always what wins ha- an election. People always realize it if you scold them enough. Absolutely. <laughs> you just have to keep scolding them, telling them they're stupid. You just have to keep insulting them, calling them racist calling them like everything you can think of being as condescending as possible you know that's my love language hey you liked the guy <laughs> you liked that guy that was to the left of, of our candidate you're a racist <laughs> oh i love it when you talk to me that it's way. like <laughs> let me listen i am to voting you. for right. you <laughs> right why why weren't you here 10 years ago <laughs> right i just I, I don't understand that i don't get it at all it's amazing to me that that's I mean, even after losing the biggest election pretty much of all time, because if you look at it, we've never had somebody that dumb, that petty, and that arrogant yeah. run for, for president of the United States. You pretty much have to be the worst possible candidate to lose against that, and they did. And they're just yeah. like, yeah, guess the people in uh, in the Midwest are bad. Or we need to <laughs> we need to pander to racism now. Yeah, and then, yes, that's the other shot. They're like, okay, yeah. it's terrible that all those people in the Midwest, those huge racists, didn't vote for us in the election. We should start pandering to them. We should start being right. more racist, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're drawing the wrong lessons and then following those through to the worst possible conclusions. Well, they paint these stereotypes onto people, and then they're like, Okay, so that's how they really are. What do we do to get their vote? <laughs> it's just like <laughs> right. it does really feel like they're kind of in like a no win scenario because at the same time it's not like well, well then what does convince you know a Trump supporter? I mean, I'm hopeful that they can pick up the message of hey, remember all those things that Trump like said he was gonna do yeah. and then didn't actually do? Like we can actually do that, but I'm not sure a hardcore Republican is ever going to vote for someone, even if they're running on that message, just because they have a D next to their well, name. We, we even have we have data on this already that only something like 3% of Trump voters are considering switching their votes in a hypothetical 2020 run. 
And those people are going toward third-party candidates, not the Democrat. There was a little panel on, I don't know, one of the CBS or CNN like news talk shows with a bunch of Trump voters. And they were saying, how long will it be for him not to get anything done that he promised he was going to do that would make you change your vote? And there were people in that crowd literally going, I've got no time limit on that. <laughs> eight years, eight, man. Eight, 12. <laughs> we'll see how it goes, you know? Right. I'm going to ride this thing out. <laughs> see where it takes me. Hey, Matt, didn't you have a high note that was online based and in the spirit of April Fool's? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So to, to take us out on a high note, I don't know how many other people were playing around with it, but for the past few years, Reddit, instead of doing an April Fool's prank, has released some sort of odd experimental project. It's always kind of social engineering-y. They tend to be pretty cool. Last year, there was a chat room called Robin where you had to vote to either leave the chat room you're in or merge it with another one. And that ended up being a lot of fun where... You know, you ended up with 90,000 people all in one chat room together. This year was much cooler, though. They released a thing that was the subreddit place, so our place. And our place was a 1,000 by 1,000 pixel blank canvas. Every user who had a an account before April Fool's Day got a little color palette it was about the same number of colors that you would you would think would be in a like a box of 16 crayons or something like that and you could color in these pixels so immediately i was thinking like oh this is this is going to be a mess because you know people are going to be out there just like drawing swastikas and stuff like that and people overriding each other constantly the trick to it was there was a cooldown period between placing pixels it went from I think initially they were doing it on some kind of algorithm based on um, maybe random numbers or maybe the number of people who were active at the time. So it was like five to 20 minutes was your cooldown. Then later they changed it to just a straight up five minutes. So every five minutes you could place a pixel. The end result being, if you want to make something, you had to work with other people. So you saw all these like side communities pop up. So I was part of the subreddit place flag or sorry place hearts which was somebody started making some little pixel sprite um basically it's the minecraft heart uh that's your life bar in minecraft but as it expanded you started bumping into other people's territory like the french flag so there was a proposal to instead of just overriding them with our hearts why don't we work with them and they'll let us use their space if we color all of our hearts with the french tricolor and that happened as communities grew and started to bump into each other at the borders. There was basically like a United Nations that sprang up on Reddit. There were all of these different factions that were talking to each other and making sure that everyone could do what they wanted to do with respect for all of the work that obviously a bunch of people had come together to make. It was really cool. It was, it was great watching the... I, I was really involved with it on Saturday. It was great watching the kind of the conventions and the mutual respect evolve over the course of the day. And there's a video that you can watch that's the time lapse of how place develop. And it's it's great because you can see people like scribbling over each other and you do see some swastikas pop up, but they got wiped out immediately in favor of more positive things. And what you end up with is a 
pretty good representation of what Reddit cares about, which includes, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, like patriotic pride. So you've got a whole bunch of flags on there. There are logos for various video games and, you know, like the Lego logo is up there, which, OK, it's corporate branding, but it's also a thing that a lot of these people have in common. You know, it, it was really cool to watch this community develop and these meta communities that wanted to do, you know, collaborative art. And the end result ends up looking kind of cool. I mean, it's a mess just because it's it's so big. There's so much involved with it. But, you know, it kind of reminded me of like a good tagging spot amongst the graffiti community mm. where, you know, the only thing that counts is like quality and dedication and if your thing ends up getting getting written over by something that's better, there was sort of a, you know, a mutual respect about that because you had to right. get so many people involved in making that thing. The April Fools of Harmony. Right. <laughs> 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 Excellent. Well, that was a great high note. I'll have to check that out actually, the canvas. You said that's still up there? Yeah, it's still or, there. You can, like go to, you can go to you can go to reddit.com slash R slash place and see what the end result was but yeah it's it's dead now they've they've locked it in sweet did anybody save a time lapse of it yes there's there's one there's quite a few i think there's one person apparently who recorded the thing from basically the beginning <laughs> um we'll we'll make sure to post that to the liquid flannel twitter also because it's really neat to watch this sort of chaos start to organize around some communities and then all of a sudden, it's really clear that you've got dedicated communities that are trying to defend their turf, but also work with other people. And mm. Yeah, it was, it was a neat project. So yeah, that's, that's my high note for this week. Beautiful. Well, that was a great high note, Matt. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely, man. No, it was, it was, it was a pretty cool project. And thank you, Peter Coffin, for joining us on the show. Thank you very much. It was good being here. Everybody, be sure to tune into his YouTube channel and subscribe over there. Thank you to the listeners for joining us again. Follow us on liquid underscore flannel on Twitter. Like us on iTunes. And you can follow us individually on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Shaggy2Trope. Brendan, where can they find you? They can find me at Brendan Williams with one L. And Matt, where are you at? I'm at Matt the Great with a W. Peter, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you as well? I can be found at at Peter Coffin. All right. Thank you very much. We will see you next week. Thanks for everything, man. And uh... Yeah, thanks for joining us, Peter. It was great having you on the show.